You're listening to Podcast PXN, PlayStation, Xbox, Nintendo. Let's do this. What's up, guys? Welcome to episode 10. I almost said 7 for some reason. Of 70 10. Pod- yeah. Of Podcast PXN. I am one of your hosts, Daniel Prindle, aka Dan is DTM on Twitter. And I am joined by the pride of PlayStation, Sean Babiak. Sean, what is going on? How are you going to live with yourself with all the PlayStation news this week? I mean, I'm not suicidal if that's the <laughs> implication. I was thinking about saying, like, yeah. I'm tired, but I feel like I've said that out of the nine of the ten episodes we've done I'm now. I'm pretty sure you have, yeah. yeah it's it's kind of getting I, old. The I viewers are tired I'm, of hearing it. Yes, all three of them. <laughs> you know what? We've got tons of people listening. Tons implies yeah. 2,000. Uh, thank you to everyone in the live chat for coming out to our live show. Uh, just as a reminder, we are live each and every Wednesday at 8 p.m. Eastern time on YouTube. All you have to do is search podcast PXN and you will find us on there. The show always starts with the PXN news of the week. So let's go ahead and jump right in. The first item on the PXN news of the week is PlayStation Now has a price drop plus some games that have been added that they are trying to compete with Game Pass. So, essentially what Sony did is they lowered uh, PlayStation Now's pricing to $9.99 a month, $24.99 for three months, or $59.99 per year. Uh, That's down from $19.99, $49.99, and $99.99. So this is pretty significant. This is a pretty big price drop. And... I think it's mainly out of a uh, concern for losing people to Xbox Game Pass just because of how good of a value that is. That's the same. Well, we're like, I'm kind of thinking like in comparison to what Disney's about to do to Netflix and other such services because their price model is coming in hot at a much lower competitive base. Right. And they're promising things from your childhood and all that stuff. So I feel like Sony is trying to almost capitalize on that. Which I think will be in the end maybe better for gamers because competition is always healthy when it comes to new services being offered. Yep. I still don't. PlayStation Now still has its own issues with me in my mind. Comparison, yep. it's like whenever you say you're streaming something, you say you're gonna watch Netflix. Mm-hmm. You're not actually watching the app itself, just a screen that says Netflix. Yeah. You're watching whatever's on there. Yeah. Like if I was to tell you, hey, that gaming streaming service, yeah. immediately you'd think at this point, well, I mean, Steam's not really a streaming, but you would think Xbox Game Pass. You don't think PlayStation now. Yeah. So I mean, I still think it has a lot of a lot of issues with its marketing. Yeah. As far as everything goes. I think one good thing they're doing is they're kind of combining their streaming uh, platform with the ability to download the games. So PlayStation Now now has the ability where you can download the games physically to your PlayStation 4 and play them just like... And they've had that game. for a year, just to be clear on that. Yeah. They announced this last year yes. at last E3. Yes. They were they, changing that. They added that after kind of Microsoft yep. did theirs with Game Pass. And... Uh, the interesting thing about that is uh, Microsoft is doing xCloud, which is going to be, I believe, its own subscription service. I don't think it's going to be tied into Game Pass. I could be wrong, but I think that's going to be Maybe initially, separated. though, it could be. It they could do a be. lot of bundles yes. when they announce stuff. And I, they haven't announced pricing for that or anything like that. So that is one thing that I think Sony has the edge on a little bit. The one concern I have is, so, like, they announced a few games like God of War, Infamous Second Son, Uncharted 4, uh, Grand Theft Auto 5, etc. 
are going to be added for uh, PlayStation Now, but that's only until January 2nd, 2020. So the thing is, you basically have to subscribe to this, and you can only play their fir those first-party games until January, and then they're basically cutting it off for who knows how long. And it's GTA not like Five is not uh, first-party. No, no, no. Sorry, sorry. Yeah, GTA Five was just one of the games that is in there. But the concerning thing for me, long-term for this uh, platform, is you don't have that stable group of games that are always going to be on that platform like their first-party games like Microsoft has with their Game Pass uh, library. In Game Pass, you always have the Microsoft first-party games available to you plus a rotating lineup of other third-party games. So I think they definitely need to start including all of their first-party games uh, from now on just like Game Pass in order to compete. But it'll be interesting. Well, to see and I'll do like do. another comparison with this too when it comes to Netflix again. So everyone knows that Disney owns Marvel. Um, Netflix had an exclusivity with uh, Defenders cast uh, with four main superheroes and a couple of their like offspring with their titles and stuff. Um, but even though Disney Plus is launching this service uh, in the next coming month, uh, they're not losing those shows on Netflix because they were made and produced by Netflix. So I don't really get the thought of, hey, God of War 4 or Uncharted 4. Sorry, God of War 7 in the uh, firstly, but um, Uncharted 4. Like, why are we only getting these for essentially three months? Again, they're not something I'm going to play because I already own them for right. one and two. We talked about back catalog stuff before when it comes to games. Mm -hmm. But I just I don't see why the there's such an issue with first party. Maybe it's they're trying to figure out the model first. Very well could be. I don't know if Xbox is essentially going to give away those secrets, more or less. Yeah. Um, but at least they're testing the waters with that stuff. I just think they need to be... They can't be the Nintendo in this situation. Mm -hmm. We all laud um, Nintendo for all their online issues. But... Uh, Nintendo still at least makes that attempt, and so does Sony, but Sony is known as being a company in the front running when it comes to a lot of services and things, same as Microsoft. Mm -hmm. So you can't be that far behind in this service, because I think this service is the future of gaming. Oh, yeah, you have absolutely. to keep You have to go faster with this invention. Absolutely. One interesting thing to note also to kind of end this, uh, this also technically means that a lot of their first-party games, like what we just talked about, are now no longer only playable on PlayStation 4 because yeah, PC PlayStation now is able to be played on PC. Yeah. So that's that's kind of exciting, seeing the future of gaming evolving so to let's where be everyone clear. can play. Besides Nintendo, there's no more exclusives. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah, essentially. And even then, sometimes... Yeah, you, you can know, pirate them, basically. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that'll be interesting to keep an eye on. So next up, we have Troy Baker and Gearbox. Drama, uh, drama, drama. Man, this, this drama like stems back months ago, and it kind of all started with uh, Troy Baker, I guess, finding out that he wasn't going to be in Borderlands 3, and uh, Randy Pitchford put out on Twitter something to the effect of, yeah, uh, we asked Troy, and Troy didn't want to be in the game, so we basically recast the uh, actor. Well, then Troy commented on that and said, that's not true. Yeah, fact-checked your tweets or something like yeah, that. Yeah, exactly. And then Randy ended up following up saying, uh, actually, something else like the 
one of the developers said it was a conflict, a, a schedule conflict, or something like that. So apparently we're learning that the real reason is that uh, Gearbox would not go union and um, essentially Troy Baker is a part of a, um, a famous actors guild or whatever union. Uh, SAG after, Screen yeah. Actors Guild, American Federation of Television and Radio Artists. Right, so he's a member of that and they Gearbox wouldn't work with him because of them, I'm, I'm assuming, is what, what the issue is. And... To me, the problem is is Randy Pitchford back at it again. As you heard me weeks ago, probably first couple episodes, talk about how much I can't stand the man. This is another indication of just sleazeball things that he does, and his his studio gets a bad image because of what he does. And that's well, yeah. I mean, the image right now should be that Gearbox uh, for Borderlands Three they sold five million copies in five days. Yep. I mean. I'm not trying at all to compare it to anything, but that's like GTA launch numbers, like getting out of the gate. Like, um, that's that's an incredible thing for a game to do that's not Grand Theft Auto or made by Rockstar. Oh, yeah. But now the story is yet again on stupidity and drama solely caused from the studio head. Yeah. Um, which, again, I, I also hate the fact that it tarnishes the hard work that these people did to make this game. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've praise it it's still a game that i'm continuing to play anymore but you're taking away what should be kind of a a celebration of of gaming by essentially lying getting called out on lying and trying to say well i didn't lie so you're almost double lying in that sense yeah and the gaming community as i i think it's been a consensus that no one's ever agreed upon everyone loves troy baker (laughs) <laughs> I mean, it's yeah. just something that uh, has always been uh, said, like any of his performance, Joel, uh, even Joker, when he took over that role in Arkham City, or sorry, Arkham Asylum. Oh my god, yeah, yep. it was Arkham Origins. Arkham Origins. Too and, many Arkhams. And my god, he literally sounded like Mark Hamill, yeah. that was amazing. Yeah, so it's just, we all recognize his talent, and Reese was a Tale of the Borderlands character, Yep. and it was so exciting to see a lot of those characters be involved in Borderlands 3 when it was not even made by Gearbox, that it really tarnishes that thought that you could have had Troy Baker, but your ego took it away from him. Yeah, absolutely. And actually, originally, I think they were talking about, uh, originally, Vaughn was going to be recast as well, and Chris Hardwick had to... Something went on there. I can't remember exactly what happened, but Chris Hardwick was almost not brought back for Vaughn, which would have been crazy because that his voice is obviously very canny, and you would... Exactly. Tell, tell yeah. from a mile away that's different. So, um, obviously, not great news, but uh, I mean, such is life with Randy Pitchford. Yeah, I mean, it's not like Joel or whoops, Troy Baker is going to be Joel. without any. I, know, I yeah. immediately went there. Uh, is going to be like looking for any job or anything like that. But no. it's sad to see that whatever Gearbox does in the future, I could definitely see him not being part of that. Oh, yeah. It's great. It's awful, but yeah. we just got to move forward then. Uh, next up we have Mario Maker 2 is getting some new updates that is going to add... Super Mario Maker 2. Super Mario Maker 2, whatever, same thing. They're getting some new updates to add multiplayer. So, actually they have a few different multiplayer options that they've added, which adds uh, nearby play, which lets you play with a LAN party, basically, so you can play with multiple switches uh, next to each other. 
Um, you can also do play with friends, which allows players to select courses uploaded to Course World and play together online versus or cooperatively, which is super exciting. Um, I think the one thing that I didn't see in here was the ability to create together. I think that would be a super great idea for they them. They already have that. Wait, what they do? Yeah, you can create like you can have two people with icons. Oh, okay. So you're correct on no, that. No, no, no. Online, yeah, that's what online, I was talking you about. You can. Okay. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah. My bad. Yeah. No, you're good. Uh, online, I think that would be a great feature because like lots of people out there have a ton of talent uh, as far as creating levels. So I would love to see people collaborating to make these super dense levels and just have them in the same space, you know? Just like the local play that you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, it's just Nintendo makes everything... Everyone's so happy, including myself, about like SNES Online or NES Online. All the stuff they did. Tetris 99. For every one step forward, it's always two steps back with right. Nintendo and online functionality. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the fact that you still have to use your phone for chat. Yeah. Um, now, there is, they have allowed a lot of different um, audio devices recently uh, to be used. It's still not Bluetooth. Um, but it's just, it's the stuff like that is what really people wanted that the future to be. And it's like, yeah. we're still stuck in this like old mentality where everybody online is dangerous yeah. i'm not saying that there can't be issues but that's always nintendo's go-to yeah. is that they want to protect kids for it yeah. okay but like all these massively i mean you're talking about like two creators that are well known in a community making just an outrageous level yeah. okay those are adults they know each other but why can't they do that type of thing absolutely agree and the thing is this generation they've started charging for online despite it being such a low price point at 30 dollars a year it's still you, you're starting to charge people when you never did before. Thirty or twenty? I think it's thirty. Maybe I th it's. 20. I thought it was twenty. Either way, because I know the outlandish pricing for Mario Kart Online is Correct. twenty a month. Okay. Yeah. Or sorry, four ninety nine a month. Either way, that's a, not a substantial amount of money when you compare it to the other uh, on online infrastructures, Xbox Live and PSN. But to me, it doesn't make sense for them to try to. It is twenty. So it doesn't make sense for them to charge $20 a year now and not improve the online infrastructure. I get that they're adding, um, obviously, the classics and all of that, but you have to improve your infrastructure as well because you are in last place when it comes to online multiplayer. It is, and I, and, and I think you would agree with me when we talk about infrastructure. We don't even talk about like having apps because if even if they had like Netflix on there, that's not going to be my Netflix device. No. Um, I'm not, I, we're talking about a lot of the things that Xbox Live got so right, or even Sony after the fact did so well too with SO, SEO online. Like, it's just, it's a lot of things that they would probably consider to be outlandish. We're just like, it's more or less quality of life, and those should be minimal. Yeah, and requirements. But I, still, I don't want to take anything away from Super Mario Maker. Yeah. Um, continuing upon this stuff, I'm still waiting for the new modes, essentially, for this game. Mm -hmm. um, I have dropped off on it. I haven't played it probably in about a month. Um, but when I did, I loved it. I loved even the new 3D Land. Uh, but there, it does say alternative modes. And the only one on there is 3D Land. There has to... That's there's other, plural. Yeah. So, I mean, you assume that there's going to be something Other worlds else coming. with it. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, 
that'll be interesting as well. Uh, we'll go ahead and jump into the next news story, and I'll let you kind of run. So uh, I, I don't know how many two people are excited for this besides uh, possibly your mothers and fathers. Uh, but a new Brain Age <laughs> was announced for Switch. Um, so Brain Age was a highly successful series on the DS. Um, I think it had it had like four or five iterations. Um, it is a puzzle game, and I'm just watching you choke, by the way, on the screen now. Yeah, that was great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was choking, laughing. About um, but Brain Age is a very cool puzzle game that's um, all about testing you with different puzzles and, like, calculating a supposed age of your brain mm. um, and, like, how well you can do on these challenges or puzzles for it. Um, my mom and I, actually, because I bought a 3DS for her, or, sorry, a DS for her, um, a while ago, and we actually kind of traded, like, stuff with Brain Age, because I had it on my DS, and, like, she was like, well, what are you doing to get, like, faster and all this stuff? Yeah. And, like, how are you, like, recognizing, like, the numbers, and, like, that actually where I got to teach her Sudoku, because she'd never done a Sudoku before. Oh, wow. Um, but they're, they're actually really fun puzzle games. It, it's like a, it's weird to say, but it's a mobile game before mobile games, because they were very quick in succession. Like, me maybe put, like, ten minutes into it for the day. Yep. And you were good to go. Uh, but it was a really cool thing. I like doing puzzles in the morning, actually, to wake myself up. I do Sudoku. Um, I also do Killer Sudoku, Crosswords, and Cross Sum uh, in the morning to kind of keep you, my brain. I have a question. Are you 70? Or I just like to... Well, I don't do crosswords. I, I don't mean to offend any of our 70-year-old viewers, by the yes. way. Or, or listeners. I don't know if Tyler told you. He is actually 96. Wow. Yeah. That's very Plays old. Plays it very well. Right. Um, but I, I, I do think this is actually going to be something that should not be overlooked. I think it'll be a big seller on the Switch. Yeah. Um, and I think uh, if you kind of want to look at Switch expanding markets, we're about to get this Pokemon game that is going to be huge. Oh, yeah. Uh, Let, let's not get us wrong. This might it's be... It's going to outsell anything yeah, they've done. Yeah. yeah. This will probably be their number one uh, Nintendo Switch game. I think even uh, beating out Zelda. And I love Zelda. Oh, yeah. Um, sales-wise. Yeah, sales-wise. Sales yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, but do not underestimate the power of puzzle games, especially puzzle games that are known brand, um, like Brain Age is, because I can see a lot of... Uh, older adults jumping in on this and remembering their time with the brain age and wanting to have that new experience. Mm -hmm. I'm actually even surprised that this is coming to switch and this wasn't part of their mobile endeavors. Yep. I assumed it would be eventually. Gotcha. Yeah. So last news story we have overwatch's director says Nintendo can use any character for smash brothers ultimate on the switch. So yeah, that, that's super I think the interesting thing here is kind of behind the scenes because uh, the developer for Overwatch is Blizzard. Exactly. That's why it's clapping. And who owns... Activision, who's, yeah, your buddies. Well, they're together. Yeah. Activision, Blizzard. So how is he saying this just like from a creative standpoint? Like, I'd love to see this happen. Or is he essentially saying, oh, Activision's giving you guys full reign? I think he's doing the Phil Spencer method. Oh, I think, yeah. in my mind, Phil Spencer dropped this a year banjo. ago about Banjo. And yeah. I think, basically, he dropped this to put in the ears of his lawyers. Yeah. To basically, like, you're going to figure this out or else. Yeah. So I think that's what, basically, I, I foresee here yeah. a campaign starting for a major Overwatch character. Mm -hmm. More than likely Tracer, because Tracer. that's the most well-recognized. Yeah. But seeing that, and then Activision getting pressure for it, and then... 
figuring something out. Think, All it takes is a spark for these types of meetings to happen. Yeah. And I could really see that happen. I think it's how Phil probably did it. I think Tracer would be a really good character on Smash 2 because like she has movesets that would be kind of unique. Like she's a super fast character. She could have some like fast moves. And then also she has her guns, so she has ranged attacks already built in. Yeah, and as we know, like just because you're fast doesn't necessarily mean you're OP because yeah. Sonic is really not OP and he's the fastest character in the game. Like yeah. and King K. Rule is probably one of the slowest and, and he's still OP, by the way. Yeah. Um but I I really hope that other franchises or even big boys start taking advantage of this whole thing because Nintendo specifically said more DLC characters. Yes. Smash is a known quantity that'll stick around for a while. I mean, even at Evo, they still play uh, Melee. Yep. Um, and a lot of people really like Ultimate, especially with the Pro Controller. Yep. Um, so I foresee Ultimate sticking around a lot longer in the spotlight yep. than definitely the last two Smash Brothers. Yeah. So if you can get your character in, imagine that marketing. Because yeah. I'm going to assume completely wrong but i feel like xbox probably did themselves a big favor with um banjo kazooie because i could see game pass going a little bit up because people want to play banjo uh because i believe nuts and bolts is on there yep um all, and then, i think all of them are because uh, a rare, rare replay, replay ones but that would well. be the other thing i see that kind of because kid a lot of people these days have not played these older characters mm-hmm. i mean let's be real the last Banjo game was Xbox 360 days, and it was in the early days of like Xbox 2008. Yeah, so, yeah. I mean, a lot of kids have been born between then. <laughs> 11 so, years ago. Exactly. 11-year-olds. So they haven't yeah. experienced these these games, and this is a great way to turn them on and maybe get some more money. I, I, I just think it's so smart for these companies to say this stuff. I can yeah. only hope that uh, 343 says something, because I don't even think Master Chief would be cool. Mm-hmm. I would think, actually, like maybe a grunt or something like that would be, like, kind of cool yeah um or sony realizing the false that they did with um playstation battle royale yeah and giving them some sort of licensed character as well there is a rumor that they're working on a sequel to playstation battle Royale. i actually liked battle royale i think what they did wrong was they wanted to be too similar to smash while being different yeah you have to you couldn't do both put your all eggs in one basket instead of splitting them. yeah like the whole like your ultimate moves were really cool in that yeah um but the fact is that you had to only knock them out with an ultimate move Hmm. so really nothing you did mattered so it's like until uh, you get the ultimate yeah but the gameplay was really cool yeah yeah that'll be interesting to see what other characters we get for smash for sure uh so next we're gonna go to the games we are playing first so, off accomplishment we finished our news in 20 minutes for the first time that in like is two weeks. really good yeah <laughs> we're on point there uh so my first one is actually a part of the apple arcade uh subscription service and on ios devices and this will not be a pxn official uh, episode this time around te- i mean we're talking about some still things games, on it is that's so, how i view it uh the interesting thing here is is i would not have bought this uh, service if it wasn't free like for a month so i did the free one month trial and i will probably cancel it after that because i really i don't want to pay for a subscription service for mobile games that's just not something i'm interested in but the game that i played on there what the golf is the funniest and f- most fun game that i've ever ha- i've played on mobile like I've had a ton of fun with that game. It's basically a golf game without being... It's not a golf game. So 
it, basically has an objective, which is your flag, your golf flag, and it kind of starts you, like your first couple levels, you're like actually flicking a, a golf ball into the, into the hole, and your character you see doing so. Well, as the levels progress, it gets progressively crazier as you go. So, like, the third or fourth level was uh, you flick it and you expect the ball to go. Well, instead, your character flies towards the, towards the, <laughs> towards the pole instead. And you're like, what the heck's going on? And you have to get your character to touch the flagpole. And it's, it slowly gets crazier as you go. And there's more objectives like for you to accomplish as well. There's multiple tiers that you have to accomplish, and they get harder each tier you go up on each level. And it it is so fun. It has terrible puns at the end of each level, but it, I love it. It's hilarious. Which I I uh, kind of like this new resurgent in non traditional golf games. Yeah. Um, because I know actually uh, a lot of people like the VR. Uh, golf of everybody's golf mm. um, that I actually do want to check out eventually on PSVR. Yep. Uh, but Golf Story was a very successful um, uh, indie game from Australia that did well, and this I've only heard praises about. Yeah, I know on Game Scoop last week, Tina Amina was singing the praises of it. Yeah, just saying, just she just loved the absurdity of it. Yeah, and it's not like an annoying absurd no, absurdity. No, no. It's just hilarious. It's clever. Yeah, <laughs> it is. It, it's such a perfect thing for this subscription service for Apple, but. Like I said, I personally I wouldn't buy a subscription service just to play a game. I would much rather have the ability to just buy this for like two bucks or something. So there is no option for that. Nope, it's uh, only see, on I Apple Arcade. I don't like that mentality yep. for it. I agree. I think they should give you the option, but include it in Arcade. Yeah, because even Game Pass. Yeah, that that gives you that option to exactly. buy, to purchase the game. Exactly. And if I enjoy something like that, I should be able to play it just that. I don't necessarily want these other games that i don't really yeah and in. and mobile you only have so much time there's one well, you've brought up a good point to me in our our separate conversations outside of um the podcast where a lot of times you do want to show that appreciation to the developer yeah and how are you supposed to do that on a subscription-based model right you're you're just putting your money into a pool and then apple's deciding where that exactly money is, but so. you're the gamer itself exactly so that's uh that was my first one that I wanted to talk about. The second one, I'm kind of gonna add a little bit of a news story in with this, but Destiny Two Shadow Keep. I played it late last night, uh, for about an hour, hour and a half, and I'm very much digging it. It's more Destiny. Um, it's traditional uh, Bungie stuff with Destiny. The story's still like what the hell is going on but the gameplay is still as good as it's ever been uh all the changes they've made have been really good but uh one of the news stories i wanted to talk about so the game the expansion launched yesterday and it was a mess for a long time yesterday actually my uh manager michael today yeah told me how disappointed he was last night yeah. i didn't realize he was a huge destiny guy he's like i couldn't play it yeah the game kicked him out and he had to he plays on Xbox. Yeah. And he had it uninstalled itself, so he had to reinstall it. Oh, gosh. Luckily, the so, cloud. So Bungie announced there was emergency maintenance that they had to do yesterday, and it took them several hour, hours to get that resolved. So that was kind of disappointing. I think it's kind of commonplace nowadays. Any multiplayer game that launches, it seems like, has issues that launch. It's almost an inevitability. You have to basically pencil that in as 
it being an issue. Not that it's a good thing, but it's kind of just inevitable at this point in this day and age. Um, but the good news is, is it's working now, and I've enjoyed very much what, what I've played. The other thing is uh, Destiny 2 has also hit its all-time concurrent player record, uh, the all-time high. So even at Destiny 2 launch, after Destiny 2 launch, etc., uh, etc., et they've not hit that max concurrent user level. I think there's a couple reasons for this. There's Destiny New Light that uh, has actually uh, been released, which is free on all platforms. It's basically a uh, entry model to get into Destiny 2. Uh, I believe it's base Destiny 2 content with nothing else added. And you can play a couple of campaign missions and you can play a couple multiplayer missions, etc. And it's basically just to get people to play the game to kind of get their excitement uh, up for the game so that they can actually purchase it. So I think coupled with that and Shadow Keeps launch, I think those two are the reasons why we're seeing an all-time high for concurrent uh, players for Destiny. Well, and I actually, I don't know if I haven't told you this, but I remember last year, um, I can't remember what game I bought, but last year Destiny 2 around the expansion of, what was last year's expansion called? Uh, not sure. something lock or something like or key, something like vault. I don't know. I Some, something that sounds mysterious. Um, but anyways, I'm an awful that, fan. That was a place uh, PlayStation Plus game when it got announced because they wanted you to obviously uh, play the game and buy the DLC. Well, then that following month too, when I bought I I bought one game for myself and another game for my brother-in-law uh, for Christmas. I got two Duh. copies. Forsaken. Forsaken. Because it was Cade 6. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I got uh, two copies of Destiny 2 just given to me because it was their promotion. Yeah. And him and I are just like, well, we don't need this. Like, I already had it for free. So yeah. it's like, why do I need this? But they gave it to me anyways. And just like, they. That was still during the. That was towards the end of the Activision partnership. But mm -hmm. they heavily promoted basically trying to give you that game as best as they could. Yeah. So one last thing I'll add to this. The first couple missions of the campaign for uh, Shadowkeep that I played kind of remind me more of uh, Destiny 2 uh, Standard, uh, the original game's campaign, rather than Forsaken. I really liked Forsaken's campaign. I think that was mainly because I love Cade 6. I love Nathan Fillion as a character. And the fact that he's, spoiler alert, no longer in the franchise because he's dead uh that really sucks for me because he's my favorite character by far in destiny so it'll be kind of interesting to see how they continue on uh moving forward there so um you want to go into what your yeah games are? um so i talked about this last week that i would kind of give a wrap up with borderlands um besides like any of the dlc and stuff like that um again i did beat it i'm on true vault hunter mode um the downfall about true vault hunter mode is you can't start it with a new character. It is with your whatever level character it is. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm still on Flak. Um, I have played uh, maybe about... I'm running through it on the true Vault Hunter. But it is it is a challenge, not going to lie. When you're capped out at level 50 and everyone's either 51 or higher. Yeah. Um, so you have to be now a lot more smart with your guns uh, and what you're going to do for it. Uh, the costumes I've gotten a lot more into too, just kind of customizing my flak. Um, I tried out Zane uh, for a little bit. I'm liking him. 
uh, his kind of customization's a little weird. Um, I definitely can see why a lot of people said if you're gonna play this single player, be Flack. Um, it was so nice to have that support of your pets to revive you or do damage, take away some fight from you. You don't really have that <laughs> yeah. with the other characters, so um, it's still, a better solo character. It is, yeah. Um, the there's still a lot of glitch issues that I've had, um, especially with like getting kicked and stuff like that. I no longer have the audio drops. So I'll give them that, but I still do have the kicked issues at times, um, and I haven't seen any major updates. Uh, they are having an event for Halloween that I'm looking forward to. Where there actually, it's a free mission, like a free planet that you're going to go to. Um, it's nothing that you have to have the season pass or anything for. Where you're going to get like uh, new legendaries that weren't offered in the base game, uh, new boss fight, uh, brand new missions, all that stuff. So That's I'm really cool. looking forward to it. I didn't see that. Yeah, cool. I don't. I hadn't seen a launch date. They just said sometime in October. It is definitely Halloween theme. And actually, today is the 10th anniversary of Borderlands One. Uh, being launched and everything um and i think they were like giving away some like legendary loot drops and all this stuff um so still uh really had a lot of fun with it highly recommend uh, that game i can't say it enough uh it's just sad that the studio like we talked about earlier earlier is getting such a bad rap with things that are going on personally um next game is actually another mobile game but it's not through apple arcade it is mario kart tour uh, we briefly mentioned this last week. I had had a chance to download it, and now that I have, I can fully say that my addiction has sprung pretty good. Um, yeah, you were literally playing it in the pre-show. I was, yes. Uh, so I am really liking it to a point. I've seen a lot of reviews recently, uh, specifically I'll cite IGN because it was the last one I uh, watched um, and read. It's It's got its issues, just as most Nintendo mobile games do. Um, I still stand by that Super Mario Run is their best mobile game, and it's because it's the mobile game you got to pay for. Um, I I totally understand as companies that the free-to-play model is so much more lucrative than it is just to download an app once. People yeah. are so less inclined to buy, buy a game if it says $10 than they are if it's free-to-play with microtransactions. But I feel the quality I get from Mario Run was so much more than anything else that was offered that I think it's you're paying for that quality and that dedication, too. Yep. Um, so that is very disappointing in that sense. It controls great. Uh, for being literally a one-handed game where you're doing swipes yeah. um, to either drift left or right, fire up or fire back for it, super well. Uh, the courses that are made for mobile experiences actually are a pretty good uh, thing to do. They're, they're only two laps. Um, they maybe you actually joked we had two minutes to go before the show and you're like why are you starting another race and I could finish the race in a minute yeah um, so they're very much made for mobile yeah um, they very much have like bumpers on the sides too like you can't really veer off into the grass correct. like traditional games correct there are a few areas you can but yeah. not not too much um, so the thing that really starting to grind my gears is the progression. Mm-hmm. Um, so I play on 150 CC, uh, cause that's where you can get the most points. I can get, you're not going to buy 200 CC. No, I'm not. That's something <laughs> I'll talk about. Um, so I can consistently get first place in 150 CC. Cause let's be real. Yeah. I know people, you'll see names on the screen. You yeah. are not playing against real people. You're playing against CPU. Yeah. It's fake names. Um, but here's my issue is I'll win. 
but because my carts aren't leveled up enough or my characters aren't, I can't max out the stars, which means I can't progress to the next challenges of races. I, I think that kind of faux uh, progression is really a hindrance with this game because it yeah. gives me a sense of why am I re-racing this the, for the 30th time? Yeah. It, that is, uh, it, as you could see from before, I was getting very frustrated with it because like I'm doing very well at this game, but yet because my cart gets maxed out at only 300 points, um, and that's all things including you switch carts. It only gets 300 points a day total. Right. I get screwed when it comes to progression. Progression. Um, it, it's very annoying in that sense. Um, I'm not as mad at the microtransactions as a lot of people are because I've always viewed the mobile microtransactions are totally on you. Um, if they these aren't ones that affect your gameplay, they're just cosmetic, um, from what I can tell, and. I don't need to buy them. Now, I think they're grossly overpriced. Um, like a pack for a couple of gems, a character, a glider, and a cart is $20. So, uh, is this like Mario Kart 8 where you have different carts that have different attributes? or No, just no. different levels. Gotcha. And, like, they they start on a scale. I don't know how high the scale goes to, but that determines even more points that you get. does nothing physically to your cart. Gotcha. But it just gives you more points. And then each level, glider, and even character attributes to something special on the stage. So if you have a Koopa and you're in his stage, you'll actually be able to get three items when you hit a item block, rather than, excuse me, like one. Gotcha. So you get more items. And I kind of like that. I think that's kind of cool. It incentivizes you to get the characters. Downfall is it's not easy to get the characters. It's random. Um, I still have yet to unlock Mario. Um, I refuse to pay for him, because yeah. I'm not going <laughs> to pay for it. Uh, it it's, a, it's a pretty cool experience for being on mobile. It's just... If you go back to Mario Kart 8 Deluxe on Switch, yeah. or really any of the Mario Karts, you can see why this isn't a game that should be trapped by mobile ever. Right. Um, but it's free. I would say give it a try. Um, see if you like it. Uh, it's puts barely any time into it. I don't feel like I missed out on anything, even with not buying any of the stuff. Um, it, it's just kind of a mindless experience in that sense. Cool. Uh, Sean is obsessed with Mario Kart Tour, so let's jump into the topic of the show, which is Sean Layden has announced that he is leaving Sony. So Sean Layden has been the uh, head figure at PlayStation for a good while now. I believe 2014 is when Jack Tretton announced that he was leaving Sony as the head of uh, PlayStation. Yeah, pretty much the whole PlayStation 4 era that he's been. Yep. Yeah, Jack Tretton kind of started the PlayStation 4 era with that whole uh, first E3 because he was the one who did the mic drop moments of... Here's how you share your games, and then Shuhei Yoshida was on there showing how to share games and such. But uh, this is very interesting because Jack Tretton was in that role for a very long time, and uh, Sean Layden kind of came in as, I feel like, a nobody. I didn't really know who Sean Layden was when he came into the role. He wasn't a personality at first, that's yeah, for sure. Yeah, and uh, he kind of came in, and he... What he did, what I'll say is, um, carried the PlayStation 4 on its 
trajectory that it was already on. I feel like Jack Tretton already had them on a trajectory for success, and he kind of just took that and kept it rolling. Like, he didn't throw any wretches in the plan. Hey, let's include this connect in the box like Microsoft did. But uh, it he definitely just kept the train moving, I feel like. He didn't make any crazy decisions necessarily. There were obviously certain moments like crossplay and stuff like that that were a little iffy that you know it's like these are no-brainer things just take care of them um but i don't know how much of that was him and how much of that was just you know so corporate, corporate. So, like yeah, yeah. Sony, Sony, exactly yeah. so um this news is definitely uh i don't think it's gonna hurt sony necessarily um, I'm sure it just makes me curious where they go from here. Yeah. Because um, I feel like Trenton introduced us to Layden. Yes. Layden's not really introducing us to whoever that successor is. Right. Yeah. Um, and look, it's it's no secret that we're, even though it's not been confirmed, we're all expecting PS5 next year. And so, Xbox yeah. Starlink. Well, that has been confirmed, though. Yeah. Um, yes. But it's just. We're, we're about to head into a new cycle, and as we know, the tides can change very easily by that launch message. So who is giving that launch message? Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, is it Kevin Butler coming out on screen letting us know about it? Um, I hope not. But, that but guy I, apparently got in some uh, He got issues. in a lot of legal trouble, yeah. yeah. But it, it's just, I'm assuming they're going to follow some, a similar route to PlayStation 4 with not, not the same time or date, but uh, having a launch event. Uh, same thing, I think, with Xbox. They'll do the same thing. But who leads that? Because yeah. Shuhei is great. He's not, a lot of gamers know Shuhei. He's not really personable because he, he doesn't know yeah. the language. Yeah, as well. it is it is hard to do that language barrier because yeah. that's why Nintendo, I think, does a lot of their directs anymore because a lot of their huge games go from uh, come from Japan. Yes. Um, and Sony is about like 50-50-ish maybe. Uh, maybe a little bit more on the American side because they do have more American studios, but they are a yeah. Japanese company. They have a lot of worldwide studios exactly. like Gorilla as yeah. well. Yeah, so it's just, I, I'm curious who's going to be delivering that message because you want something that gives that stability in the company. And they are poised for uh, success coming off the PlayStation 4, but as we saw from the last two console transitions, whoever was in first did not stay in first come the next generation. Very true. Um, so I, I think that's honestly what Microsoft and Sony specifically are going to be focusing on come this transition is how do we either get the momentum yep. or keep the momentum. And I don't think either one has a very good answer. My guess yeah. is Microsoft's just like, okay, we're just going to get it because it's now the other. Yeah. And Sony's going to be like, no, we're going to figure it out. Like, this is our time to shine. You saying that about, like, what their plan is for next generation just made me remember something. I saw something to, uh, yesterday or today. Yesterday or today about uh, next-gen consoles. And apparently Microsoft is working on a camera that's either going to be built into the Scarlet or, like, I don't know if it's going to be additional, but it's going to be like a 4K camera that's focused on streaming, not like Connect. It's going to try to uh, cater towards that streaming audience. And the rumor also said that PlayStation 5 was gearing for something similar, uh, trying to get that audience. So I'm starting to wonder if both of them are trying to uh, compete for that live streaming um, platform, I guess, to say, hey, 
gamers, if you want an easy way to stream games, and they already have that on current gen, I get that, but you have to buy additional uh, items. Well, and the to... PlayStation Eye is vital to me yes, because I have to have VR. a VR. Right. Yeah. So it's definitely interesting to see what they're going to do. Like, what is going to be the thing that differentiates this generation from next generation? We, we all get that it's going to be 4K, 60 frames per second probably is what they're going to try to ga- aim for. But who knows if that's going to actually happen. But uh, what what is that key feature that you're looking for? Like this generation, I feel like that key feature was... Um, games kind as a of, service? That's what, I, that's what I think it is. Games as a service like Game Pass and such. But also, I feel like this was a revitalization of the indie developers. Like you had indie developers on XBLA, on, on Xbox 360, Xbox Live Arcade for anyone who doesn't know that acronym uh and you saw that but really this generation it started with sony pushing for indie developers on ps4 and it even extended to xbox later on with id at xbox and And now nintendo has the freaking crown yes exactly (laughs) and it's like all these independent games there's always interesting games that come out from indie developers like those games we've been talking about the last few weeks like i've been talking about speedrunners and ultimate chicken horse like games like that you would never get from it seems like uh, and i know other personalities that say this but it seems like the third tier is back with that because mm. uh the third tier used to be your midways uh you're never soft all that stuff they yeah. they left they're gone they're debunked and now we have indies to replace them in a lot of sense i think too we get a better experience because of that. Now, yeah. I think AAA games suffer from that because there's so much pressure on them to do so well. Um, I I don't know. It'd just be curious. I, I really do wish Sean Layden all the luck in the world. Yes. He did such a fabulous job when it came to Sony itself. Um, I, I, I don't credit him for all of PlayStation's success, and that's not to, um, like, sh- shit on him. Yeah. Um, it's more or less because I think xbox just shot itself in the foot so early that it was very hard for them to recover yeah and they don't get me wrong they did but and they were positioned well when sean took over yeah but um i I don't know i just i i think it's gonna be hard to get another replacement inside the next generation that's just me yeah i i definitely agree with all of that i had one more thing that i was gonna say like phil is such a steady rock like wasn't or no shuhei it was shuhei right or no, it was. It was Sean Layden, Phil Spencer, and uh, Miyamoto. Reggie. Or was it Reggie? It was Reggie. Okay, it was Reggie. Yeah. That all came out at last year's and Game Awards. It's one. And now, yeah, Phil Spencer's the only one that lasts. Yeah. Um, and Phil is such a great personality Perfect. for Xbox that I'm not saying you need to have that, but we are in this internet future. I get it. I'm old. I don't yeah. understand the necessity for streaming. I'm not that type of person. Yeah. But that's where today's game culture has gone. Yeah. Phil understands that. Is everyone else going to understand it? I don't know. One more thing about this. I remembered uh, Greg Miller was talking about this on Twitter a little bit, and he was speculating. So uh, the way Sean Layden is leaving PlayStation is a little different than when Jack left. And, like, he's speculating that Sean Layden is going to leave PlayStation and join someone like uh, Google Stadia for, for their executive team that maybe Google threw him a lot of money to come over and join them because he said of how just how PlayStation was handling the whole PR aspect of it. He's like, 
They didn't do like a press release like they That's normally true. do. That's true. They rolled out and... the red carpet for Jack Tread. It was right. almost like um like how Kobe Bryant went on a retirement run yes. for that last season or yeah. But they didn't. Dirk. But they also at the same time didn't crap on him. So yeah. it, it's that he doesn't think it's anything like you know um, issue related. Like he had some kind of problem or something, and they he was forced out. He, so that's why Greg Miller was kind of speculating that, which makes sense to me. Um, which, good luck if you're going to Stadia. Yeah. Sell that to, look, we're in the Midwest. We know that we're in the Midwest. That model does not work for us. Yeah. It really doesn't. I mean, our internet is great. Don't get us wrong. It's not that great. Well, mine is well, here. Yeah. But, but I'm just saying, yeah. like, as a whole. Yes. As, um, as a whole, you, yeah. we're not there at all. Yeah. Like, yeah. I truly believe digital is the future yeah. of gaming. Yeah. Digital streaming is years off. I agree. Yeah. So, so good luck, Sean Layden. Yeah. We're definitely interested to see what happens next with Sean. So, uh, lastly, we're going to do our top five. It's been a little bit since we did a top five. Uh, we <laughs> we had even some... still struggled with this yeah, one. Yeah. We've been having uh, some crazy crazy episodes lately so we kind of ran out of time but uh this week we're doing our top five one-off games so essentially that's games that didn't get sequels um so i'll but if you want to make sequels for them yeah that's okay too so if you're watching live let us know in the live chat what you guys think is your favorite games that never got sequels and we'll read them out so my first one is enslaved odyssey to the west this was a Ninja Theory game. Absolutely loved this game. This game was essentially an Uncharted clone uh, without being Uncharted. And I absolutely loved it. The world was super cool. It was kind of like a techie, um, post-apocalyptic type, type of world. And you and your companion would were basically going on this crazy adventure. It was Monkey, and I can't remember the girl's yeah, name. Yeah, Monkey was... yeah. And it was the story was the most intriguing part for me. The gameplay was really good. It felt really good. It was it had many of the climbing uh, sequences that Uncharted was kind of uh, known for at the time. So I loved this game, and I would love to see a sequel of this game from Ninja Theory. Now that they're owned by Microsoft, they can make more th- uh, big AAA games. So I would love to see a sequel to this. I'm not sure who owns the rights to it anymore, but um this would definitely bandai namco bandai oh yeah gosh so they're not big on exclusives for that stuff no but But, no i 100 percent agree with you that was such a fun game um the end uh was very interesting it was weird um i actually liked the secondary the character was a pigsby i think it was nolan north that played him i could be wrong on that no richard writings um but Andy Serkis actually mo-capped yep. for Monkey, the main character. Um, that was really cool. Uh, honestly, it put Ninja Theory on the map to me. Absolutely. Uh, because I remember just seeing this game, like, I was seeing the Git reviews. I didn't really have any opinions on it. But a lot of what they were saying were things that I was interested in. Yep. And I, I'm actually jealous of this one that you took uh, for one-off games because this is a... This is actually in my top ten of last generation. Oh yeah, that was um, really good. I, I I get it. It's got some gameplay issues with frame rate dipping and some glitches, but I mean, I as long as it doesn't affect the game, I always overlook that thing. Um, I I love that game. Yep. So good choice. Uh, my first game is a PlayStation One game. It is called Rogue Trip Vacation 2012. I've never even heard of it. Um, so this is a Twisted Metal clone. 
uh, that is, in my opinion, a lot better than what the early PlayStation uh, Twisted Metals did. Uh, even better than 2. And 2 and Black are kind of uh, regarded as like the best Twisted Metals for it. Um, the worlds were so much bigger as far as the levels. Uh, the characters were just as insane. Um, it's it's hard to describe. It was very um, offensive before <laughs> offensive was a thing, if that makes sense. Yep. I can only imagine what this game would look like now uh, yep. in 2019. Um, it takes place like in a post-apocalyptic thing, so everything's like crumbling around you as far as the world and meshing together. Yeah. But you're basically, it's a vacation for tourists, so you're like picking people up while destroying other cars. What the? Um, and they want to get pictures of like monuments like des- being destroyed and all this stuff while mayhem's going on. Yeah. Uh, and it, it was just a really cool competitive game that I loved. Yeah. Uh, it, it's, it's definitely in like my oddball games because i know not a lot of people played it um besides my group of friends uh but it was a really cool experience to have if it's ever something i know car destruction games are pretty much gone um because twisted metal unfortunately screwed itself by what they did on the ps3 um but if it ever did i would 100 percent buy a sequel to this that's definitely a unique one that yeah. I had never heard of. It is. If you ever get a chance to check out a YouTube video of it, yeah. don't get me wrong, it's going to look rough. PS1, we know those don't age up well. Yeah. Um, but it is really a cool concept of how they twisted the Twisted Metal wow. formula. That was great. You're welcome that for that. Really good. Alright, so my next one is Sleeping Dogs, which was published by Square Enix. And this game is a super interesting game for me because it was a crime. Uh, it was kind of a crime game from the other perspective. Um, it was very interesting. The open world was very dense. Like there was a lot of stuff to do, and the combat in the game was really fun. Uh, it really reminded me, and th- you'll understand in a minute why. It really reminded me of the true crime franchise back in the day, which I absolutely adored. And the reason for that is, is actually this game originally was called true crime hong kong and it was going to be published by activision and i remember being so excited when they announced this game as true crime hong kong uh because i love true crime uh streets of la and true crime new york i think was the other one those games were awesome back in the day i absolutely just loved those open worlds it was essentially like gta except from the other perspective and i really enjoyed those open worlds and when they announced that, I was all in, and then Activision canceled the game. And I was like, are you kidding me? This is one of my favorite games. It was almost like the same time when Dead to Rights uh, Retribution was announced, and that was the 360 Dead to Rights game. I was so excited for that, too, because I used to play Dead to Rights back on the original Xbox all the time with uh, the little dog Shadow. I love that game, too. It reminds me of that a lot. Um so actually Square Enix picked up the uh, rights to make that game, but they had to change the name to Sleeping Dogs, and they had to tweak a few things to basically make it a new IP, so to speak, instead of being a true crime sequel. So I was very, very excited when that came out, and the game was super, super good. The story, gameplay, everything, I loved it. Yeah, it's not one I've ever checked out before. I, I remember seeing it and everything, I just never checked it out. Yeah. Um, my next one is a, uh, kind of odd one, to say the least. Eternal Darkness, San- San- uh, Sanity's Requiem. Uh, 
a lot of gamers have heard of this game have just never experienced this. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually owned this game for my GameCube. Um, it is the definition of a psychological horror game on a, on a video game. Uh, it is a third-person game where you have spells and you're kind of going through time and all this stuff. Um, that's not what most people remember about this game. They remember how the game legitimately screwed with you. Yeah. Um, think almost like Psycho Mantis in Metal Gear, but even more alarming. Um, so Psycho Mantis is always known for like reading your memory card of yeah. famous video games. Didn't he like break the third wall, too, uh, at the end of the game in Metal Gear Solid 2 or 1 or something? In 1, all it was is during the boss battle, he would read your memory card. And if you had certain games on there, he would That's announce. That's what it was. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I only had one of them on there. I can't remember what it was. Uh, but Eternal Darkness, like, it would give you fake, uh, to-be-continued screens. Like, you had this, what's called a sanity meter. Yeah. Um, so every time something either happened in the mansion or in the mission that, like, would really make you kind of question believability and, like, what's going on, your sanity meter would go up. And once it was, like, as it was increasing, odd things would start to happen. Like, your game would hardly start glitching, but it's not an actual glitch. It's part of the game. Right. Um, or you would get other things where, like, uh, statue heads. Like, so you would kind of keep going on the screen, and, like, you would pass, like, statues on the side. Well, then the statues would start following you on the bottom, like, the heads. And you're like, why the heads just what? come off? And it would just be, like, glitching on that. Um, it would also, uh, like, more or less kill you black screen but you would not have been killed you just thought you were and it was a fake one and you would hear it yeah. so you'd have to wait for your sanity basically to die down and all this stuff wow um it is an extremely rare game actually these days yeah. uh, so i'm glad i still have it but it was a really cool take and never got a sequel i think a lot of people got turned off by the oddity of it yeah uh, but it was such a cool exclusive for gamecube to get screws with your head it does yeah and it, the story was actually very good too i thought yeah it's not a traditional uh, Nintendo game that you would think. Hundred percent. Yeah, it was not published by Nintendo either. Right. It was just a first exclusive. exclusive. Yeah. So my third one is Inside. So that was the game from Play Dead. Obviously, the the developers of Limbo. This was their second game in uh, in in the Xbox uh, line of games, I guess. But Limbo isn't really tied into um, Inside whatsoever, and vice versa. So. The interesting thing with Limbo, or Limbo, Inside, was the art style. The art style is so good, it just gave off this really, like, creepy atmosphere. Like, you would go through these different environments that you'd hear these sounds and see these visuals and just feel like, you know, you're in a place where it's, like, creepy and you're like, what's going on? And kind of the story follows that, too, where you're just like, what the heck is going on the whole time? And then you get to the end, and then you're really like, what the heck did I just play? Like, that ending is just insanely crazy. Like, what what is this? Like, that's just what I love about Inside is it's just the myster- this mystique, I guess, of it is, is what's so exciting. It's not necessarily that the story was, like, groundbreaking or amazing or anything, but it was just so, like, uh, mind-bending, I guess is the word. 
got uh, tens across the board when it yeah. came to review season. And the platforming was fantastic. It's really good platforming. And in my eyes, the platforming is far above what uh, Limbo had. I liked Limbo a lot. The puzzles, too, in my mind. Yeah. I liked Limbo a lot. There was some very frustrating parts with Limbo. Um, but Specifically the mine levels. Yeah. But definitely, this game is definitely one of the best XBLA game. Not XBLA, but uh, downloadable only. Games. Yeah, it's come to everything now at this point. Yeah, obviously it was like a launch exclusive on there. Yeah. Um, same thing with like the witness. They basically just traded after the fact. Yeah, essentially. Um, but the the end I think will be talked about till the end of time when it comes to games. Yep. Like where it's like where do you stand on the ending? What do you think it meant? That yep. type of stuff. Yep. Um, my third game is, uh, I, I know I picked very like unknown games for the most part. I think my last one's the only one that's really known. Yeah. Um, this game is called metal arms glitch in the system. Uh, this was on Xbox GameCube and PS2. I played it on Xbox. Um, it was, I actually consider it more of a platformer, but actually when I go to Wikipedia, they consider it like a third person action shooter. Um, now it did have a lot of that. Uh, it actually was. Um, if you think about it, it almost reminds you a lot of like Ratchet and Clank games, mm-hmm. um, and that you have a lot of different guns. You were this little mech or robot. Yeah, uh, I think it was just called Droid. <laughs> um, where uh, things are going on, and like you're just shooting uh, other robots and all this stuff, but. Uh, I always remember, I actually played the demo on Xbox. Um, back back in those days, you used to get demo discs with the launch of a console. Yes. Um, and that was part of on the demo disc and, for me. And demo discs on o- in OXMs In OXMs magazine. or OPMs yeah. uh, magazines. Uh, which, did you know those were actually owned by the same company? I always think that's really funny. Yeah. Because it's A lot like, of them, like PC, uh, yeah. game, PC Gamer or something, a lot of them were owned by the same I company. I just always thought it was funny when they'd make ads that, like, talk, yeah. bad talk the other consoles. Like, you guys are owned by yeah. the same. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but it was a really cool game, in my opinion. Um, the, the fights and the combat were really cool as far as, like, the shooting mechanics. Yeah. You think of a lesser Ratchet and Clank, you're gonna have a lot of issues with that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but I fondly remember it. Now, granted, it's been going on 20 plus years since I played it. Yeah. Uh, but I remember having a lot of fun with that game, and I was very surprised that it never got a sequel. Supposedly there was one in development, but it got canceled. Oh. Uh, my guess is probably just sales weren't like the greatest for that stuff. But right. I actually really do miss those days when you got all these demos of these games to try out just a little bit, even if they didn't come to fruition. Yeah. But you still got to try them out. It was the first time I played Resident Evil was um, through a demo disc. Yeah. Um, and I actually hated it on the demo. And it's because I they dropped you in at some random place and I didn't know what I was doing. So I I miss those days that you couldn't get that. I mean, these days you get games like NBA Live 14, I think it was, where it was about to release and EA canceled it. (laughs) Which is probably for the best given how NBA 16 or 17 ended up being. Like, so god-awful. Yeah, so... Uh, my next one is Brothers, A Tale of Two Sons. It was a XBLA game from last generation. They actually did a uh, remaster of it for this generation. It was a super, super cool um, kind of... It was of, on Sony too, right? I think it came later. I thought I, it was... I didn't think it was an exclusive. I thought it was on both the same. It might have been. Uh, either way, it was made by, I think, Starbreeze uh, was the developer, and... This is a super fun platforming, uh, like, puzzler, sort of, I'll call it. 
and you basically had two brothers and you control both brothers uh one with each control stick i believe the left and right control stick and you had these really cool moments where you had to like come up with different puzzle solving techniques with both players and you had to really think about a lot of them and that's why i love that game the story was really cool as well uh basically they were trying to survive together and find i believe their father is who they were looking for their father got lost on the mountain yeah and um so it was just very very interesting it was kind of a uh, indie title that didn't really get a lot of spotlight initially but then after people started seeing it people kind of grasped onto it uh there's been a lot of rumors about a sequel Uh, i would love to see a sequel but i'm not sure at this point given that ending yeah I won't spoil it, but given that ending, I don't know how you make a sequel. Yeah, they'd have to do something different. Yeah, but Uh, something inspired by it, yeah, I agree. But that would definitely be interesting for me, just because I I thought the control uh, mechanics of that game was super... Very interesting. I was not a fan of the controls, but I did like the... um, uh, ingenuity of it and trying something different. Uh, For the record, it launched a month before on Xbox 360, before PlayStation. I was sort of right. Yeah. All right. Um... So, my next game, I am still kind of keeping old. I couldn't think of really too many things recently, because I looked at my games, and I was like, oh man, I was owning this franchise these days. Um, this Wait, is is that Mario? No, this is actually a Nintendo game for the NES called Kid Cool. Um, looks this, like Mario. <laughs> this is a heavy Japanese game. Oh. Um, where, by the way, that... That does not look anything like it. If you see this, the box art, you're like, what is this game? Yeah. Um, it is a platformer in the vein of Mario, and a lot of the art direction is pretty much stolen from Mario, as you can kind of tell. Yeah. Um, but it's a lot harder. Um, the mechanics... The Dark Souls of Mario. It really is, honestly. The mechanics, uh, your jumping's a little bit more floaty. You kind of... It's a permanent ice level a yeah. lot. Um, and the main reason why I'm bringing this up as far as that I l- really love this one-off game is because this is back in the days when we didn't really have a lot of money to continuously buy games. Mm-hmm. Um, so I only had initially, um, before like I figured out what to do with saving up money to buy stuff I wanted, yeah. I only had a handful of games to begin with, and this is one of them. Um, and I have so many fond memories of like feeling like a god when I finally beat this game. Because it didn't have save states. Oh my So God. you had to beat this Are all you in. Kidding me? Yeah, I had to beat it all in one sitting. Um, so it was just a game that I always finally revere. My sister and I actually talk about this because she hated this game so much because of the jumping mechanics um, and just how difficult it was. Like you can see on my screen, I know you can't see it on there, but like all these little enemies, it yeah. was so easy to get it to run into them uh, where it was hard to stop. And it Actually, like, it gets a lot of comparisons to, like, Gremlins because you carry, like, a little Gremlin on your back and stuff. Yeah. Um, but I, I always thought it was a really fun game. Now, necessarily, this isn't... This is my personal... That's why we always say these are our personal one-off games. Yeah. No rankings at all. But I would never think that this would ever get remade or ever get a uh, sequel because it was ne- it's not regarded well. No. I just always have. Yeah. Huh. It's definitely, you're coming up with all these games I've never even heard of, so uh, it's a good list. (laughs) Uh, My last one is one of my favorites from last generation, and that would be Dante's Inferno, made by the fantastic Visceral Games that EA shut down after their freaking Star Wars project. Dang it, EA. 
uh, Dante's Inferno was a super, super cool action, um, I guess action sword game. I don't even know how to describe it. It's kind of like an action it adventure. It is a DMC but, clone, yeah. but with a more well, concise story. Yes, and I love the gameplay from that game, and uh, Visceral did such a good job with that. Like, That's the thing. Like, There's a window where Visceral Games was one of my favorite developers with Dead Space and Dante's Inferno. So they, those two came out fairly close together, and both of them were great games, and they were very different games. And Dante's Inferno, that action of uh, swordplay, just like DMC, was so good. The boss battles were good. Like, everything about that game I loved. The story was super interesting. Um, Based on a uh, real uh, play yeah. uh, called Dante's Inferno from, like, way, way long ago. Yeah, and to me, the highlight of that game is Lust. just... The gameplay. Oh, no. I just wanted to make sure it wasn't just the gratuitous no, amounts of Jesus. sex. Jesus, <laughs> no! It was the gameplay and it was the story for me uh, that kind of grabbed my attention. And uh, yeah. I actually like so one. I have I have two memories with that game, and I'm sorry I never run a little over. But one of which is I remember I pre-ordered that game at my Kmart that was around me because uh, at that point they were offering trade-ins, and it was snowing so bad that day that I actually had to walk to Kmart to get it. But I wanted it that much because I I thought it looked so cool. I played. Yeah. There was actually a demo of it. Yes. I played the demo, and I saw, oh, this is really interesting. I think I actually played the demo as well, and that's what made me actually yeah. buy the game. Yeah. And then also, I always think of, I think it was either the 6th or 7th layer of Hell, Greed. Uh, where you're surrounded by all these melting people in gold. Um, and I just thought that was so jarring because, like, that was, like, the most grotesque look of greed I think I've ever seen for a sin to be um, materialized. Yeah. Such a good game. That really was the first game, game I platinum. Yeah. DLC, not that great. There's DLC? There's DLC, yeah. Oh, I don't even remember DLC for it. Yeah. Uh, one of them was a... There was another playable character. It was an angel. I can't remember who it was. Um, and then you've did like the the seven layers of hell was it virgil nice just kidding that was actually dark siders reference dark siders you mean dark you mean devil may cry virgil virgil from devil may cry where like in devil may cry 3 the dlc was you played as virgil (laughs) i'm just kidding guys i meant dmc i was thinking that was dark whatever it works all right so last game to get everybody out of here uh diddy kong racing for the n64 um this in my mind is in the tops of uh kart racers um obviously mario kart will always be king but i i think this takes uh good in that top five with um crash team racing and all that mm-hmm. um i really like the fact that it wasn't just your stereotypical mario kart at that point so it was different in 64 as far as the environments um the uh tracks were a lot longer um you actually had a little bit more uh items to deal with even though there was only five it was all balloons based yeah. but you had a little bit more flexibility with that as far as traps and protection um, and also, I remember there was, like, this magnet that brought, like, you closer to somebody or them closer to you. Yeah. Like, if somebody's, like, towards the finish line, you're like, nah, maybe not. <laughs> um, also, the transition of three different types of vehicles. You had, a, like, an airplane, a, an actual cart, and then also, like, a hover uh, motorboard type thing. And it didn't feel like just a reskin of Mario It Kart. didn't. It didn't. Don't yeah. get me wrong. It had its own problem with, besides Banjo-Kazooie and Diddy Kong, because it didn't even have Donkey in there. 
Yeah. Uh, it had its own issues with that type of stuff. Um, but I really thought it was like a cool thing that N64 is always remembered for having Mario Kart 64, but a lot of kids love Diddy Kong Racing, and I was one of them. Yep, absolutely agree. All right, guys, that's the end of our show. Appreciate you guys coming out to uh, listen to episode 10. Crazy that we've hit 10 episodes already. That's absolutely mind-blowing. Thank you guys for watching live. Remember, you can always watch or listen every Wednesday live at 8 p.m. on YouTube.com. Just search for Podcast PXN. You can always find us at Podcast PXN on Twitter. Um, you can shoot us a line there if you're curious about anything. So uh, we appreciate you guys coming out this week, guys, and we will see you next week. Deuces. See you.